Hello, this is Kat. This is Phoebe. We're Feminine Chaos. Welcome, welcome. Um, I, Phoebe, have been saving up a story to tell you, uh, something that happened to me, or that I saw, rather, nothing really happened, um, but last week, and do you want to hear about it? Uh, Yes, please. Okay, okay. So last Friday night, I went out with my husband and a couple that we are friendly with to this kind of swank steakhouse thing in New York City. Um, It's uh, called Hawksmoor. If anybody's curious, uh, food was really good. It's kind of expensive, but, you know, it's, it's a really cool vibe. And we got there a little early and I was waiting at the bar having a cocktail. And as I was sitting there with my um, like $20 cocktail, I looked over and realized that there was a couple next to me who had like a baby carriage right up at the bar. Like they were sitting on these stools and they had the carriage in between them. Do you want to know that I already know where this is going? No, don't I think, don't, but go on, go on. on. I won't don't spoil step it. On I just want to, okay, <laughs> but go on, go on. Go okay. On. Okay. When I get to the punchline, if if you're right, you can yell, I knew it. Okay. But. Yep. Thank you. So I thought, you know, I was like, wow, that's really audacious. Like bringing your baby to a bar, you know, on a Friday night, this really like trendy restaurant. It was really, really crowded. It's like, wow, people are, they're just really, they're really doing it. Um, So I was, I was right about the audacity, but not in the way that I thought I was, because when I kind of leaned over to get a look at this baby, it turned out to be a dog. And I mean, like an actual dog, not an ugly baby. Like it was not a baby. I knew it. And I'll <laughs> tell you why I knew it. So the neighborhood I live in in Toronto now is filled with babies, small children, older children, people of all ages, whatever. The neighborhood I used to live in in Toronto is very much um, not. And if you saw a stroller there, it would be a lap dog in it. And I was like the one person who had a human baby and often a a dog baby but um (laughs) when I was going around there because yeah we moved um when my now four-year-old was a baby but um yes I am very familiar with dogs and strollers I assume that you had the stroller already for the dog and when you had the baby you just put the baby in the dog stroller certainly (laughs) oh no no Bizu would Bizu would never tolerate being in the stroller she never (laughs) calmed down to that degree um even like in the undercarriage of the stroller but yeah um what I was going to say though is that once I was out with human then baby in carry in like a baby carrier and somebody on the street in the neighborhood that we used to live in was really excited to see the dog, and I had to disappoint this woman <laughs> that this was actually a person and not a dog. <laughs> and I'm not even talking a stroller, I'm talking a carrier. Yeah, that is disappointing. It is disappointing when you think you're going to see a dog and it turns out to be a baby. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I have seen from a distance like some sort of like like golden curls and thought, oh, what kind of little apricot poodle is this going to be? And then it's like somebody's toddler. I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's a bit of a letdown. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, I can understand this. But yes, um, and also, yeah, a coffee shop that I really like. Um, yes, it's part of an Aritzia. Don't, don't judge this fact. That doesn't make it any less sophisticated. Um, it sounds very sophisticated. Yeah, well, there were this woman once came in with like multiple poodles in a stroller and I got amazing pictures of it. Um, that I need to try to find and send you. I need to know more about what multiple means because I'm picturing like a clown car situation with poodles in a stroller, but it couldn't possibly. You're not that far off. You're really not that far off. But also, also, I have to ask you, Kat, and I say your name (laughs) intentionally, if you have ever seen this new thing that I've seen in the neighborhood, which is a cat backpack. And it has this like little sort of must be plastic, clear plastic bubble that the cat's head, you can see, it's like look, the cat's looking around, but it's in the backpack. So the the cat is fully enclosed. It's like a normal backpack, presumably with some sort of air holes. Um, but yeah, the cat's fully enclosed. I guess it's to give the cat a bit of an outdoor experience without having an outdoor cat. Maybe? I don't know. I don't have a cat. I've never had a cat. It's it. It's it. It pops up to a little bubble like a machine ball gunner, like <laughs> like that. No, no, it doesn't pop out. It's I think just like an built-in feature of this no but i mean but like in the in the planes like i think the machine ball gunner is like in a little bubble and that kind of hangs below the belly of the plane i I don't really know my world war ii uh technology i feel like i'm not describing it well at all but the point is that i'm constantly i'm constantly seeing this cat like in its little um backpack window and 
I don't know. It's always very exciting. But the people with the cat are like, yeah. Okay. Excuse me while I, I Google cat backpack before we move on to our – oh, no. It's got like a little portal. It looks like it's in a – it looks like it's in a little space suit. Yes. Okay. I'm looking at oh it right God. now. I'm looking okay. at it right now. And yes, this is the thing that I've been seeing. It's this pet carrier – I think what I've been seeing, it does not look clear except where there's that bubble window. Like, I think it's it's otherwise... Oh, my God. There's a Pokemon-themed one. I like this one that's fully open, so it's like the cat under glass. Of course, if I tried to transport my cat in one of these, <laughs> um, it would take a very short amount of time before the cat made a, an enormous mess in there because he doesn't travel well. But anyway, um, so speaking of things that um, that look like they're going to be one thing and then turn out to be another thing. Well done. Thank you. What are we talking about today, Phoebe? We are talking about something that I actually, I confess, I don't think I entirely knew what it was until you told me about it, but now I know, and boy, do I know. Dylan Mulvaney? Mulvaney. Yes, God help us. We are talking about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney. No, let's not. I did not know about, I had also never heard of Bud Light before. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Is that, oh no, is that a different company? It's not a sports bra from Bud Light. I mean, you could wear a Bud Light can as a sports <laughs> bra if you, I mean, with modifications. I mean, cans. <laughs> I have heard. I have heard the euphemism. Um, it's a different company who we are not being sponsored by. So I feel bad. Even and this, we'll get into why. I think that when companies make choices to promote themselves, they do so in order to make money and so forth. And unless. Nike, blah, 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 is paying me. I feel annoyed. Like every time I say Nike, somebody's listening to this and subliminally they're thinking, oh yeah, there were these Nike sneakers I've been, you know, thinking about getting and then I forgot about it. But now the like feminine chaos reminded me I'm going to have to go out and buy 50 pairs of them and put them, you know, like get the special translucent backpack to carry them around. That's right. And, We've, how many pl- anyway. products have we inadvertently plugged so far? Just, I mean. Well, so far today, I think these cat backpacks would really... <laughs> feature the most prominently second after that the dog strollers you know if any cat backpack makers are listening to this and you want to send me a free one uh you know to like promote on the podcast you know what i'm not too good to take your money and your backpack i will put my cat in the backpack (laughs) he'll shit all inside it it'll be amazing (laughs) one one does wonder one does really wonder um but yeah so dylan mulvaney has been hand plucked by nike to model a sports bra who or what is a dylan mulvaney can you explain this phenomenon well i'm going to i'm getting into this so there is a wide world of humans out there of all identities and of all physiques dylan mulvaney best as i can tell is a trans woman who is quasi passing whose physique even were she a cis woman would not necessarily even suggest need for need for a sports bra. Now, one might say a sports bra is just a garment and people wear them for non, you know, sports reasons too. And there's no reason why, you know, anybody can't wear a sports bra if they want to wear a sports bra. I personally am thinking about this. Why would you want to wear a sports bra if you didn't have to wear a sports bra? It seems like the type of garment that you would just you know, not to be all second wave about things. Um, I was recently accused of being a second waver on Twitter. I don't even remember the context, but it stuck with me because it was funny. How old do these people think you are? This is (laughs) by somebody significantly older than me. Whatever. Um, (laughs) Along, actually, the story's coming back to me, but I'm going to tell you after. But the point is that I guess, yeah, so that's, that's what's going on. Is there somebody who is trans and not particularly physically transitioned wearing a sports bra and you and this has led to this sort of predictable I guess outrage cycles where the right is furious and the left you know in order to counteract the fury of the right is anti-furious thereby getting the big winner being Nike who everybody has now thought about more than they would have otherwise and now they're all out buying sports bras um, whether or not they need them that's a good summary i'm gonna yes and you just um just on the off chance that somebody has been hiding under a rock and doesn't actually know who dylan mulvaney is i had been hiding under that <laughs> rock this is not an off chance yes. <laughs> okay i didn't yeah know um, mulvaney is an influencer i would say um 
at this point is probably one of the top, um, not just trans influencers, but influencers generally in the country. She is, again, male to female transitioner. Um, She has just recently celebrated one year of transitioning in public. This project was called... um, girlhood or it was going to be like 365 days of girlhood so um, she started transitioning in public a little over a year ago and she's 26 is that right for age yeah so the transition it's interesting because if I had to guess not that it's any of my business but it doesn't appear that Mulvaney is taking hormones to feminize her body what she is doing or what she has done is have facial feminization surgery. So there's this kind of I don't I don't use this in a derogatory way. I want to be clear on that, but there's this kind of uncanny valley thing happening where she seems to exist in this very kind of liminal space. Like she passes with the help of makeup and filters, but if you see her on video it's like very very over the top feminine like in terms of presentation you know she's basically doing her best to look like Audrey Hepburn and she's done a remarkably good job of that you know just for the record um and yet the entire presentation has this sense of like straddling the lines between masculine and feminine in a way that is, um, I don't know, like weird, I guess. As you're watching it, you're like, wow, this is something I have not seen before. So Mulvaney has like millions of followers on TikTok. Um, I think probably millions on Instagram. I don't have my phone close enough to to pull this up to check. So is this, it's comedy, I think would be how I, so you sent me a link to something where she's trying to figure out what a tampon is. Well, okay, so... Here's the thing. That was SponCon. I don't even really know how to describe this relationship because it's not straightforwardly a sponsorship. They sent her a box of tampons. You know, she's holding up. It's it's clearly Tampax. You know, she kind of faces the, the brand thing to the camera. Here goes nothing. It's pink. It's kind of adorable. And it kind of looks like a butter churn. <laughs> but you just go like that? Ow. Where does the string go? But the brand is obviously keen to be publicly associated with her, whether she's being paid for it or not, which is interesting. Obviously, you know, you're supposed to recognize that there's a process of transitioning in public happening. And I think because of that, you know, because it's like this is a brave thing to do to, you know, to document your transition in public. And Mulvaney, unlike a lot of trans women, is not attempting to, like, kind of memory hole the the life that she lived before she was a she um she still posts photographs of herself and so on from when she was you know still living as a man and so there is a sense of like immense transparency that you're along for the ride um you know it's sort of like I am jazz only this is an adult and I think because of that She's a very hot property in terms of people wanting to attach their brand to her, not just because it will get you an enormous amount of exposure if she does a video with one of your products, because again, like millions and millions and millions of followers, um, but also because, and this is such a a thing right now, um, it signals that you are like an ally to this particular cause that has become the thing that it's like the only thing anyone wants to talk about right now. Well, yes. So that that gets us to that um, amazing, I think, tweet from uh, where is it? Okay, from Caroline McCarthy, who tweeted, I'll say it. Dylan Mulvaney is really off brand for some, not all of the partnerships she's getting. It's hard to imagine her patronizing those brands on her own. And it seems lazy for them to default to her rather than finding trans influencers who would be an actual fit. Um, And then she says, to, in a reply to somebody else um yeah something that which makes me think that piss off the right wing was a bigger goal for some of these brands than find a trans influencer who is actually on brand for our product and i think that's a really um correct and spot on insight because i think what nike is doing here and this um gets to uh my twitter favorite mobius strippers insight about brands not uh she wasn't weighing in on um this particular controversy is just something she's been saying for years about how brands sort of court controversy, try to get people mad at them, and that's part of their marketing. What I think is happening, though, with Nike is that they want 
the people mad at them. And then they want the people who feel that the noble social justice thing then becomes to defend Nike. Because otherwise, how is this going to work? Why would anybody in the name of progressivism defend Nike? It doesn't make any sense. Yes, they make their clothes in sweatshops. They're not actually like a noble, altruistic company. But they've done this once before, of course, with Colin Kaepernick. So I would say that they've really elevated this this type of marketing to an art form. But this is, I think that this might be even more um, complicated because I think what you're getting is like, they're not just saying, we are brave, we are hiring somebody who's trans, if you hate trans people, you'll hate this. We don't care. We're, you know, pro-trans. They're saying we're going to hire somebody who's not just trans, but in sort of abundant non-need of a sports bra. And just to kind of rub your face in not the transness, but in the sort of absurdity. This was Nike women, by the way. We should be clear on that. Like, I didn't know there was a special Nike women. Oh yeah, Nike. We have our own Nike. Nike women. Nike women is is so well known in the branding world that they were actually featured in um, one of my favorite romantic comedies. Even though it stars Mel Gibson, I know I'm sorry, but it's still really good. It's called What Women Want. And Nike women is in that. Nike women is in that. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna spoil a piece of the movie for you, Phoebe. Sorry, um, but oh, uh, there's a, a scene. At, well, I guess at the end where you know Mel Gibson, who is uh, he starts out as a kind of a playboy and then he learns the error of his ways because he develops the magical ability the psychic ability to hear women's thoughts um and realizes what a what a terrible person he is because of this anyway he's an advertising executive and he wants to go after the nike women account and they're like wow are you sure you want to do that like nike is hardcore women power so uh anyway that's um that's how iconic the brand is oh <laughs> yeah okay well i i didn't know that now i i know so much more about um yeah i think i'm trying to think if we have anything nike in our home i think some nordstrom rack children's sneakers are nike can now be worn with tremendous pride. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think like another thing that this whole story is making me think about and is part of why we're discussing it is this question of sort of drag, but more broadly, like categories, historicizing categories, um, you know, like the whole thing. I mean, obviously, I think we're all at this point familiar with these things where like was some woman in the past who would dress in men's clothing a lesbian was she trans was she just trying to have a job and that was the only way she could in those days whatever you know we're all familiar with those sorts of debates right to some extent so i think there's something like this with um these categories of androgyny in either direction and what seems interesting here really does seem to be this question of like we have on the one hand this very contemporary category of transgender which is where you know somebody who was assigned male at birth identifies as female and it's this solemn serious thing this is a woman now anything doubting that she's a woman is is terrible and all this there's also on the whole other end of the spectrum like a comedy tradition of men dressing as women right oh yeah then you have somewhere in the middle You have drag, which is gay men who partly to sort of get in touch with their feminine side, partly at times, yes, to mock women in a comedic way. It's and it depends who's the drag performer and how it's going, whatever, um, perform as women. Right. So you have this spectrum, right, of what's going on and what seems weird and it changes over time how different things are classified. You know, some of the men, you know dressed up as women to mock women historically probably did have a feminine side that they were trying to tap into and that was their only way of outlet for doing so you know like that's probably also the case some of them maybe would have been trans had they been living now most of them wouldn't have whatever um but the point is a male looking physique in a dress could mean a whole whole bunch of different things and what what seems to be going on here is complicated Kat, do you want to get into why? Okay, so I, I do want to get into why, and I have a kind of a roundabout way into this. Um, but having made this connection, uh, because this is something that I was thinking about because I was watching a lot of Dylan Mulvaney content in preparation for doing this podcast, I had a little bit of an epiphany. Okay. Ooh. Phoebe, do you remember Julia Allison? Yes. Okay. Sort of a proto-influencer. You see where I'm going with this. Okay. Dylan Mulvaney is the, like, 
trans reboot, the second coming of Julia Allison. Okay. And Julia Allison, I'm just going to explain this for those who were not like part of this niche internet subculture in like at a very particular moment in the early 2000s. Allison was a sort of a proto-influencer. She had this brand. It was very much like, it was kind of like I'm living sex in the city. Like I am sex in the city personified. Her The way that she does things is actually, it's perfect in certain ways for Instagram lifestyle content. And I think that it's really crazy how well she would have done if she had just been born about 10 years later. Um, because as it was, she was basically like Instagram lifestyle influencer, but she was living in the era of reality TV. She was like, where the, the thing that you could do as a regular person to get famous was like to be on the hills or to be a real housewife. And she, I think, was trying to kind of make that happen for herself. I remember there was a pilot featuring her and a couple of other girls shot maybe for Bravo um, where it seemed like maybe she was actually going to be able to live her dream of getting famous but didn't get off the ground. Anyway, it's, it's all quite far back now. This was like 2000, I think, I want to say like 2008 to 2010 was kind of peak Julia Allison um, when she was on the cover of Wired magazine and it said like get internet famous even if you're nobody and it seemed like she was going to really break through and then she didn't Um, and I recently looked her up and she only has like 20,000 followers on Instagram that's nothing yeah it's it's really not and she's still living like you know she's living for the gram this is the thing that is interesting to me her brand and particularly the type of femininity that she presents like she and Mulvaney are basically the same in this way. And it's interesting because, like, they also look alike. They pose alike. They have incredibly Ooh. similar taste in clothes. Good pickup. Um, with your head thrown back, laughing in a ball gown. Like, that's that's her thing. And that's Mulvaney's thing. And what's being presented to you here is a, a brand of femininity where it's that, like, to be a woman is to embody this very particular and very – narrow stereotype it's not just i'm a girly girl it's like i'm wearing a ball gown on a balcony and this is who i am and this is my whole life it's like basically like you're living in a dior perfume ad and you're documenting this this is a brand of femininity that i don't really relate to except as a kind of a fantasy like it's you know it would be fun as a costume so i do have some thought thoughts on this which is that i do understand when people say that like so sometimes there will be critiques of certain trans women that they present this kind of over the top you know big hair big nails big makeup view of femininity when it's when you know regular women go around not dressed like that right and then you will get people pointing out that on you know if you are baseline looking like a man you have to do this to pass. You have to do this to signal that you're trans, right? Like there is, if somebody, like I'm currently, not to scandalize anybody, wearing a sweatshirt and jeans, like a crew neck sweatshirt and jeans. I bet people are stopping you on the street to ask if you're if you're male or female, right? Exactly. So my thinking, <laughs> my thinking is that if I looked like a man and was wearing this outfit, nobody would question it. The reason I look like a woman is because I look like a woman, right? So that's, I think, some of it. You know, it doesn't explain necessarily the whole of a Julia Allison-esque persona, though. I think this is I think this is a different thing um, because what I'm talking about when I talk about the Julia Allison brand of femininity, again, it's not just dresses. It's evening gowns. It's like, you know, done to the nines. It's wearing gloves that come up past your elbow. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of an aspirational, very, like, photogenic – thing that doesn't actually correspond to the way that even like a very feminine woman who's not of you know living the kind of lifestyle where she can like go out on a fire escape in an evening gown and spend 15 hours taking pictures of herself like it's just not relatable it's 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 like femininity plus in this way Mm -hmm. um where i think there's a difference between julia allison and dylan mulvaney is that I mean, obviously, Allison is a natal woman. And so when she presents this vision, it's very like, this is aspirational. This is just like, you know, the kind of fantasy that I'm that I'm presenting. And it's very understood that like, she spends a lot of time doing this stuff 
for Instagram so, so that it looks a certain way. Mulvaney presents this stuff as this is what it means to become a girl, basically. And I think that there's there's something about that that I think is very intriguing, but also that I think rubs people the wrong way and maybe is why she ends up being so controversial. Does well, that the make tampax, sense? Yes, it does. And, but I want to get back to the Tampax. Yes. Because um, I want to promote their brand as well. Because, you know, otherwise people wouldn't have heard of Tampax. Because, you know, you can certainly go through life and not notice that product. Um, so, yeah, I think um, there, that video where Dylan Mulvaney is like, trying to figure out what tampons are and and kind of it's a comedy video right if this were a male presenting like fully male presenting person doing this you would just say this is mocking women right yeah like from what you know like look at these ridiculous things that like what is this ha 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 what is this weird product that women put in themselves but then there's so like the i guess i was having trouble kind of gauging what register this was, what tone, what, what is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it seemed like on the one hand, we have somebody who, you know, dead seriously, surgic surgeries being used, wants to present as a woman, but also who was like kind of laughing at the whole thing. And in a way, maybe that's refreshing. And this isn't an ultra serious, you know, because like there is this thing where, you know, sometimes like the new gender approaches are all always so serious you know maybe this is just a little lighter touch maybe that's nice but at the same time like I don't know it it does kind of the whole the video seems to be very much like making light of female anatomy and finding the whole thing somewhat ridiculous from the perspective of somebody who doesn't have it and that was strange coming from somebody who ostensibly you know wishes that that had been their what they were (laughs) born with so yeah, I don't know. I found it just hard to make sense of. And why this would be helpful to a tampon company, I don't know. But then again, I don't understand why, you know, menstrual products always have like throw like a girl or something on them these days when like you're not necessarily a, a girl as in a child <laughs> when you're using them. Anyway, not to be too personal. But yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so... Well, I I should just say up front that, like, I think a lot of Mulvaney's content is fun and funny, but the Tampax thing, like, actually made my skin crawl. And I'm not easy to offend, so I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about why. And I I think that what you've identified as, like, if you close your eyes and you just listen to this person, you know, giving a, a spiel about a tampon, you would think that you were listening to, like, a gay teenage boy, probably like a like a fourteen year old, explaining how tampons work, but like in the through the framework of that women's bodies are ridiculous and vaguely repulsive. Um, like that's the vibe here. It's basically like, oh, you bleed from your vagina. Well, that's weird. This may like, seem like a strange question and like inappropriate, but what is Dylan Mulvaney's sexual orientation? Do you know this? I believe Dylan Mulvaney is into men. Okay, this has been my hunch because I feel like if you have female if you're 26 years old and you have female partners you've come across Tampax to the point that you're not like (laughs) I don't know either it's some sort of fetish you have in which case I'm sure there are like three men out there for whom that's the case but or it's just like this extremely mundane thing that has been in your house at least some of the time all the for years and is not like the the mystery is is gone so this is not merely somebody in, not in possession of female anatomy personally, but probably not around a whole bunch of it at all. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, okay. it, like that, there is definitely that vibe. Um, it reminds me of uh, this thing that Dan Savage uh, once, I think, said or wrote that he thought a vagina looked like a canned ham that had been dropped from a great height, which is funny, but also like, well, he got grief for that. He got grief for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a nice it's not a nice way to describe a woman's anatomy. And I think that like it's the kind of thing that you say if you don't like women. Well, there there are certainly processed meats that resemble male anatomy. Should we talk about some of those or should we save that for premium subscribers? I think it's I think it might just it might be too self evident. I mean I'm of course talking about prosciutto de parma. No. Um yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little stringy. <laughs> anyway, jumbo sized um, hot dogs. You wish, fellas. Okay, um, but no, <laughs> but 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 just to to return briefly to the question of the tampon ad. So, yeah, the vibe of this is basically like. Here's somebody who's, you know, who's explaining tampons, but who thinks that the purpose for which tampons are used is like kind of disgusting and definitely weird and doesn't really want to think too hard about it and thinks that like you shouldn't think too hard about it either, tee hee hee. And um, the crux of this for me is I cannot imagine somebody choosing to buy Tampax based on this content, but I can definitely imagine somebody choosing not to because they uh-huh. find it offensive and that is what is so weird about this like is this an ad who is it selling to well yeah so that that's what i think that's what i think is going on is that i think and i am going to again have to credit mobius stripper um who has a real name that i will not share publicly but um yeah for this insight about how ads just basically like it's I mean it's you know it's also just the insight that all publicity is good publicity but I think it's a little bit more specific than that which really is that like once you get one group of people angry you get another group of people you know culture wars being what they are you know defending the product right so there's a certain audience that's going to be you know un let's just say unpersuaded by anybody gender non-conforming doing anything and I see this you know even in my feeds I see content where people are just like posting like look at this person with purple hair ha 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 like that's that's the whole thing and it hardly matters what the person with purple hair has done it's just that's the mm. other team you know they're mad at the other team right so like there's a certain part of the culture wars that's going to be mad regardless but you ramp it up you pick somebody who's not merely gender non-conforming but who you know is going to get feminists annoyed using, you know, mocking tampons, is going to get, you know, everybody annoyed for a different reason, get get maybe athletes annoyed for kind of mocking the functionality of a sports bra, right? You know, so you have a lot more people who are going to be annoyed than just the kind of right wing, you know, far right wing, or just very, very like brain broken by this topic. Um, I'm not going to elaborate further, but I think some brains have been broken by this topic. Um, you're not going to just get those people, okay? You're not just going to get those people. You're going to get a lot of people really, really annoyed sharing the thing, sharing it more. Like if if I had seen, let's say Laverne Cox, right, had been in a sports bra, who cares? You know what I mean? Like who would care? Nobody would care except for the few people who always care about this sort of thing. And I think instead you have a lot of people caring every time somebody cares, they post the thing, right? And that gets the the brand's name further in everybody's mind. Yeah, you know, but I think that there is a difference between brand visibility and brand success. Like, you know, the visibility of your brand because it's the center of a controversy, even one that, you know, motivates people and like the backlash to the backlash to, to, you know, buy things out of spite. There are limits to how effective that can be. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure how that translates for Nike. I'm not sure how that translates for Tampax. But I do have a sense of how it translates for Bud Light, which um, also hired Mulvaney. And I, I think the marketing like director of Bud Light, who's a millennial woman, um, I believe that she actually appeared on a podcast talking about how like she specifically reached out to Mulvaney because she wanted to do something to like counter the brand's association with kind of like fratty or blue collar men. Okay, so you're a brand director who doesn't really understand who buys your product. You know, you want to you want to kind of like you want to do sponsored content that acts as like a slap in the face to the people who do buy your product. That's obviously one thing. Um, But the upshot of this is that I don't think that people who, you know, even as they witness that a lot of like right wingers or, you know, Bud Light's original audience and original consumers are now mad at Bud Light and are saying they're going to boycott Bud Light because, you know, they don't appreciate the way that um, they're, you know, choosing to associate the brand. I don't think that you're going to get like a whole lot of 
like urban metro super progressive allies i mean they're not really like light beer connoisseurs are they going to start drinking bud light uh is it young people is that it you know what i mean is it like but i mean i don't remember when i was young people enough for this to be relevant being at a frat party and carrying the brand of the beer I was not purchasing it. I was not choosing which brand it was. It probably was Bud Light. I don't think I knew. Yeah, there, there was no. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm deep in a Fraser. We, I'm deep in a Fraser rewatch, and I was not like sipping different sherries, except it was light beers from a keg, and thinking, hmm. I mean, young people don't really drink beer, and especially not light beer anyway. They mostly drink like White Claw. Um, or other other beverages really? like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember frat parties having actual kegs in my day. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you and I both attended college about like 20 years ago. So, uh, 20,000 yeah. years ago. Yes, back when they hadn't even invented other... Yes, I, I rode to the party on the back of a brontosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they just don't drink, don't have sex, don't do anything. I guess they watched Dylan Mulvaney on TikTok. Yes, but does that but does that translate to actually purchasing the product? And especially does that translate to purchasing the product like because they want to stick it to the people who are mad at the product? I think see I think this is really just num I think they're playing a numbers game and an attention game and a sort of it's in your it's in the ether game and it's now just I'm more aware of Nike and Bud Light than I was before all of this, you know. But <laughs> but are you would you buy? I'm not personally, <laughs> but some some percentage of people like me were in the market for <laughs> Nike products or light beers at this time and it's just this is going to be more on their radar. It's just about Getting the things on somebody's radar. Yes, but at what cost? So this is why Bud Light is interesting to me because what they, you know, choosing to partner with Mulvaney did alienate a lot of their existing consumer base. And I was just reading this thing about how they sponsor like a bowling night um, in Texas that where usually like everybody gets together and drinks Bud Light. And this year, like it just happened, people were pissed and sales like, tanked by 70 percent so i don't know i i think it's very interesting you know and, and it will we'll have to see how it shakes out but when companies try to you know hedge their bets on like courting controversy or like we're going to cultivate an angry reaction amongst our existing customer base but like only so many of them will flee and however many do will get like twice that many in the form of people who are buying us because they like that we stir the pot in this way. I'm not sure that that's applicable across the board. Um, I can see it being effective for women's Nike. I see it being probably less effective for Tampax and less effective still for Bud Light. That's my prediction. I think that seems... um pretty accurate yeah i don't know bud light yeah it's that's more of a martin crane beverage a martin right? martin crane who's martin crane marty crane sorry fraser the father who's the the working class regular regular guy we have to have a conversation about getting you to watch more more relatable and more current television shows what if that exists are there more relatable and current no no shows? i just I'm, I'm just kidding i just made that up you just uh, turn on your BritBox. You're all good. It ended. I thought that I no no no. This isn't even BritBox. This is so much so much worse. Um. So BritBox. I'm just gonna like rant. They keep taking everything that's good off of BritBox. At least in Canada, probably everywhere. There's no more uh, Faulty Towers on BritBox. There's no more Benidorm on BritBox. Um. But what there is, um, which my husband discovered while he had the flu. Okay, is there some free streaming service called Pluto? That where you can just watch unlimited <laughs> Midsummer Murders. You could watch unlimited a lot of different things. Um, if you wanted, you could watch unlimited King of Queens. I have not watched any King of Queens on it, but it, it could be done. Um, you can watch unlimited I Love Lucy, The Dick Van Dyke Show, All in the Family, and The The, the Frasier, which seems like it's some. There's something about this show that like I can't stop watching it like i'm there's it's there's it's playing as we speak no it's not but um only with tremendous willpower have i shut the fraser machine have you watched fraser before 
I don't think so. I may, be, I may have accidentally seen part of an episode back when it was airing in its original run on, uh, what was it, Network network tv anyway it's very much like this 90s world of like gourmet versus sort of regular um sort of like the people who like the fine wine versus the people who like a can of beer that was and that's why i'm thinking about it in this context what a nicely like more straightforward kind of cultural binary that was it's a simpler time (laughs) it's a simpler time and not just because it's a sitcom it's like that scene in the new 21 jump street where, um, you know, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, who were in high school in the, like, late 90s, um, you know, they go back as, I don't know, 25-year-olds or whatever, under, as undercover cops. And they're really confused because, like, there's all these new subcultures and, you know, they think they, think they recognize the goss and they're like, okay, so those are the losers and those are the cool kids. But then, like, they keep seeing new and different, like, permutations of person and they're like, wait, what the hell are those? What is that? What is this? <laughs> um, but so just to, like return for one more moment to the question of Dylan Mulvaney and the controversy that surrounds her. There are reasons why people are mad at Dylan Mulvaney that I think are really dumb and really baseless and just, you know, slot into the uniquely stupid landscape of the American culture wars that are never going to end until they consume us all. Um, But I also think there's something about... The way that this stuff ends up being aimed at women in particular and often exclusively. Um, And again, like Mulvaney's project, you can call it like performance art or whatever, but it's called 365 Days of Girlhood. The, The idea is that this kind of like super contrived it's very like luxury oriented ball gowns you know evening gowns white gloves like version of femininity um like the pretense of this project is that this is what it means to be a girl and there's something i think really i guess off-putting about somebody being paid millions of dollars And also spending, not millions, but definitely many, many thousands of dollars to present this vision of femininity as if it really captures the actual essence of womanhood. Um, And when these brands hire Mulvaney as a spokesperson, they're signing on to that. And I think that, you know, there are women who notice this and who feel alienated by it. And I don't think that they're necessarily wrong to. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like this ongoing issue with all these gender topics, right? That like, if um, you get the same people, you're sorry, you get people mad at the same thing for very different reasons. And I think that that's not just to do with gender, but just all of these different, you know, so-called wokeness topics where you have people who are, you know, offended for progressive reasons, offended for conservative reasons, offended for aesthetic reasons, whatever it is, you know, and it's all this weird mishmash and then you get people accused of you know being allies with the wrong people because they have you know overlapping views but for very different reasons I mean I don't know like I guess where I sort of wince is when I see somebody who clearly could not care less about women's rights who's suddenly like obsessed with like you know trans women in sports and it's like and as a fairness issue and it's like if you didn't care about women in sports and that this is not your reason for you know like that's where I kind of like I get that that is annoying right but I wouldn't say from that that you could say that nobody really cares about women in sports at all like there are people who do care about this I don't know if any of that made sense yeah yeah I think it does I was trying to think of like you know, in in line with Carolyn McCarthy's tweet about the the branding aspect of this, which I think is, you know, in many ways more interesting than the kind of dumb culture war stuff, is like, who would you hire to be a spokesperson for these products? Um, you know, who would be who would feel like a more kind of organic choice that would also still nevertheless allow you to signal, you know, your progressive bona fides, and. I don't know. Like it it seems as though I mean for Tampax at least like maybe a trans man who nevertheless still menstruates. Well, why not? 
that seems almost like the the way to go with it because you know as is often pointed out by you know progressive sorts not only women menstruate and not all women menstruate and blah 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 and this seems to me like a very easy case of the <laughs> that where the slogan not all women menstruate is enough and therefore the women who don't menstruate should not be the ones maybe gone to for, to advertise tampons yeah i mean there should just be like some connection between like if you're if you're doing relatability kind of influencer content where the idea is that you've got somebody vouching for this product and people are going to pick it up because they like the person and it's somebody who's basically like I use this, you know, I'm interested in this, maybe you will be too, which is I mean that's what influencers are are supposed to do. It's something more than being just like a, you know, the face of something. It's you know they imply that they use the product. It's like the hair club for men. You know, I'm not just the president. I'm also a member. So you get somebody like Dylan Mulvaney <laughs> to advertise tampons. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it makes about as much sense as getting like The Rock to do it. You know, I like The Rock. But oh, maybe it would be better if if we had sort of macho. I don't know The Rock's sexual orientation. I've never thought about this. But to have a straight man advertising Tampax as in like like he's so confident in his masculinity to use an expression nobody would use anymore um that he goes out and buys his woman her Tampax I'm not sure they haven't already done this I have I feel like I have I have well, a memory maybe they should just keep yeah, doing it yeah I, I I don't know I may be conflating but that things. to me seems a little bit more like if you want to do something that's progressive and I don't know because to me this yeah the making fun of the the product that you know because like you know it can be a source of a lot of not to even not to go into like you know places in the developing world where you know girls don't have pads and can't go to school or whatever i don't even mean anything that dire but you know it's cramps whatever like it's not necessarily a pleasant experience for young women or not so young women you know so like the idea of Finding it all sort of hilarious is, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I found that Mm -hmm. Mm off-putting. I guess I'm just one of the haters. And that's it. I'm not going to buy any more Bud Light for that. (laughs) I'm just going to. I've canceled my my daily crate. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I said, no more. I feel a little bad for Bud Light, I have to admit. I mean, you know, in addition to having made, I think, a a pretty um, egregious misstep in their choice of marketing, they're also like the worst generic light beer. Is there dark beer from Budweiser or is it only regular and light? Oh, well, I mean, Budweiser itself is uh, such a massive corporation that they actually have right that's true that's true don't they own like they own all of it right anheuser-busch owns not all of it um but a lot of brands yeah including like goose island and things that you would not necessarily associate um with look at us dropping all these names i think people are just going to be they're going to be putting on their nike women's sports bras and going out and buying large amounts of budweiser and affiliated uh, beers but, but right wait is it too is it too late to be like hey miller high life <laughs> do you want to sponsor our podcast uh, that's actually not a joke i mean i think i think they why not why not oh i like this beer that's like it it's brewed like around the corner from me and it's it's logo is like a raccoon what it's really cool here. Yeah. I'm gonna look this up. Raccoon beer. Well, it's not quite around the corner. I'm exaggerating, but it's, it's in my neighborhood, and it's called um, Bandit Brewery. And I have glasses, my iced coffee glasses. I, I mean, in all honesty, I drink tremendous amounts of iced coffee, pretty unimpressive amounts of beer. But um, I had one from there recently that was actually like quite good. Interesting. You want to look at their merch? Their merch. Uh, the Bandit Pint Glass is what I have coffee from, and it's 
incredibly nice. Yeah, I uh, I really like actually. They have a little um, a kind of like a raccoon motif, but it's like a very minimalist raccoon. So it's like the ears, the nose, and like and the masked eyes. That's right. I have a baseball cap with this as well. I have a baseball cap with this as well. I, I love their logo. Then I got some beers from there that I didn't like and was like, oh god, I'm advertising some terrible beer. But then I had one that I did like. Um, there was a raccoon on the tree in front of our house this morning. Ooh, it was extremely exciting and yet probably not good right if it's like daytime a daytime raccoon can be rabid yeah yeah that's not necessarily a good thing so we didn't invite it in we did we were otherwise had it been evening we would have poured it a nice glass of uh, the pilsner and well you know you can uh, you can see if the raccoon comes out at like twilight or, or dusk that's okay. That doesn't mean that the raccoon is crazy and diseased. I think so. That's been my impression. That's been my impression of this. Because this is important where I live. There are a lot of raccoons. Um, so we have to keep an eye out. But, I have a raccoon story um, too. Um, th- there was one in the tree outside our house. Go for it. And he he took up a perch on the lowest branch. And he proceeded to give himself a bath right there in public. Absolutely no shame. They do that? Yeah. I didn't know they even did that. Yeah, they clean themselves like cats. Huh. Oh, well, that's that's kind of sweet. It, it was right until he started licking his anus, and then it was a little less. Well, that that's less sweet. That's yeah. less sweet, yeah. but... Um, yeah. So... I don't even know. So, so is this like if a raccoon advertised um, kitty litter? I think a raccoon can use, can use kitty litter. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you... I. I have another raccoon story, but it's too disgusting. But the point is that if they, they, they have preferred areas for this and you really don't want one to be in your yard. Oh, okay. Um, and we are in an ongoing process of trying to retrain a raccoon to not do this. Anyway, and that is all I will say on that extremely um, appetizing area. So I hope everybody's ready for their next meal. I'm actually quite hungry. I'm looking forward to lunch, despite what I was just talking about. Any toilet companies want to sponsor the raccoon that lives in Phoebe's yard? Um, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Branded content. That's it. That's for sure. We should do our, our little our little spiel. Um, yes. Yes. Chaos, yes. We should. If you like yes. what you hear today, just keep shouting yes every time I say something. It'll make it really magical. Um, if you liked what you heard today and you would like to hear more of it, you can join us on Substack at femchaospod.substack.com. For $5 a month, you will get access to two exclusive premium subscribers-only episodes of the podcast per month. Also, access to our whole back catalog of episodes, plus open threads, comment threads, et cetera, et cetera. Fun little community of, uh, of podcast people. So feel free to join us. We would love to have you. And for, for even more a month, you get your own personal yard raccoon. Yes. Just kidding. Yeah. I think. Yeah. There's, there's only one. Get it while it's hot. All right. Uh, this, yeah, this has been Feminine Chaos. Thank you for joining. Bye. Bye. Bye.